Ah, Hi. yes. Long time no see. You are a dream for and welcome back to The Left Takes on the EU, a podcast from the left in European Parliament. I'm Gloria and I'm here with my colleague Ricardo. Hello everybody. We're both campaigners for the group and for the past few months we've been working on vaccine equality, a campaign by the left calling for COVID-19 vaccines to become accessible to everyone everywhere. As you may imagine, in this third episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about COVID-19 vaccines, but also about transparency, patents and profits, equitable access and intellectual property rights. But ultimately, we also want to talk about how people power can change politics and policies. We have some great guests with us today and they will help us unravel what is at stake in the fight for vaccine equality. But let's kick off with our first guest. I'm Eleanor Thun. I am the director of Medicines Law and Policy. We are a research group that works in the public interest and analyzes issues related to Uh, access to medicine and medicines regulation, particularly in the field of intellectual property. We talked with Alain about patents and profit. She explained what is the TRIPS waiver, why it's important to know it, what has been done or not done in the fight for vaccines as a global common good. The TRIPS waiver, um, in the context of COVID-19, actually refers to a proposal that was made on the 2nd of October by India and South Africa, to allow the members of the World Trade Organization to disregard their obligations for certain forms of intellectual property protection, uh, which they have to provide for under the, the World Trade Organization's agreement for the duration of the COVID-19 pandemic in relation to COVID-19 health products. So it's a rather... It's actually a rather limited proposal. Some people talk about it as if this is the end of the protection of intellectual property as we know it. But, but that, that it is not. It was incredibly important that various governments step forward, including the European Union, and pump billions into development of these vaccines. But in exchange, there should have been the demand that this know-how would not be monopolized, that this know-how that it was created with this public financing would also be available to the public and to the public at large, meaning the globe over. And that has not happened. And that has been a huge policy failure. The government has made a big mistake by giving away all these billions without the necessary strings attached. Different, uh, different countries have taken slightly different approach. The United States, when it finances uh, such, uh, such products such as uh, COVID-19 vaccines, it tends to keep some of the rights for itself, or it, uh, it makes sure that the data that is developed, for example, with the financing can be shared with others. So you do see some, uh, some changes as, as far as possible, because most of these agreements are not Uh, really fully, uh, fully, fully available for, uh, for scrutiny. But I think it is fair to say that um, despite the promises of this vaccine being a, a global public good, none of the countries have taken sufficient um, uh, measures to make that happen. Well, we've heard a number of, um, of politicians um, and representatives 
including Ursula von der Leyen, the, the president of the Commission, say uh, COVID-19 vaccines will be global public good. Uh, Emmanuel Macron said no one will own the vaccine. There were a lot of beautiful public statements about the vaccine being a global public good. The member states have agreed with the Commission that the Commission would pursue the promotion of the global public good in the agreement that it was uh, it was going to uh, to enter into with uh, with the first, uh, with the vaccine manufacturers. But none of that has happened. So these remain empty words, empty promises, if they are not accompanied by uh, by good policy and by uh, uh, by actions by actual binding obligations when you when you enter into funding agreements. I'm Sangeeta Shashikan from Third World Network. I'm the legal advisor and coordinator of the Development Intellectual Property Program. Uh, and I'm monitoring uh, international negotiations and raising awareness about the challenge of intellectual property and access to medicines. We heard from Alan what were the shortcomings of the EU deals with Big Pharma. Now, these deals have an enormous impact not only in Europe, but also in the rest of the world. Sangeeta will tell us more. So the rollout of vaccines in the global south is very, very slow. Uh, COVAX, which was the international mechanism set up for the delivery of supply to developing countries, has to date only shipped about 90 million doses uh, out of the 2 billion doses it is supposed to ship, ship in 2021. Uh, the 2 billion doses itself are not sufficient for developing countries. So the disparity is huge. In high-income countries, which only represent 16% of the world population, have fully vaccinated 31% of their population. The middle-income countries, that represent 73% of the world population, have only fully vaccinated, on average, about 8%. And the low-income countries, that represent about 9% of the world population, have only fully vaccinated 0.1%. So huge disparity in access. Uh, some reports uh, are saying that it will take low-income countries 57 years to have their populations fully protected. Unlike developed countries where the government is able to pass the financial resources to support the national economy, uh, this option does not exist in a lot of the developed countries. So the situation is very dire in the developing countries as a result of inequitable access. And a huge concern for, from a public health perspective to the extent we have vulnerable populations not vaccinated. We will see new mutations emerging and this threatens to prolong the pandemic. You know, the logical for us to lift the monopolies around the technology and the knowledge. Let's share, let's collaborate so that we can together do what is necessary to scale up manufacturing and address the challenge of access. And the problem of uh, disparity of access, we often talk about vaccines. It's also in diagnostic testing. How do we know uh, how far the COVID has spread? For every 100,000 people, there are about 400 tests in high-income countries, 100 tests only in middle-income countries, and seven tests in low-income countries. These numbers are staggering. I mean, how can we expect to keep track and overcome this pandemic with these kind of figures? 
But despite this, in the European Parliament and in European debates, we heard so many criticisms. Many say that a TRIPS waiver will take too long and has got nothing to do with increasing the production of vaccines. Others even say that it is not even safe to produce vaccines in developing countries. We asked Sangeeta how we should respond to this. So we, we cannot talk about expanding manufacturing without addressing the issue of intellectual property. So that narrative that IP is not an issue has been propagated by those uh, that do not want to take action on this, uh, especially the European Commission. So the notion that, you know, there is firstly no capacity and this capacity will result in poor quality product is untrue, again, propagated by those that do not want to support uh, the, the TRIPS waiver. So if you look at the current uh, WHO pre-qualified list for vaccines, you know, not COVID, but the current uh, other vex for other vaccines, close to half of these vaccines are produced by developing country manufacturers. And what role is the European Commission playing in all of this? Within the EU, we have a challenge because the EU is playing a very disruptive role in the WTO currently. And I think civil society has a very important role within the EU to engage with European member states, but also the European Commission, um, to get them to play a more constructive role, to be more sincere in their discussions on equitable access. It's very easy to talk about global public goods, international solidarity. I think we now need to deliver on these promises. It is in everybody's interest to collaborate, to lift monopolies, and, and to promote uh, greater manufacturing in developing countries. We are not going to come out of this pandemic by taking, by being very monopolistic over the technology and the knowledge. And this is why we need the EU to support the uh, TRIPS waiver. So we had the European Parliament adopt a resolution calling for uh, text-based negotiations for a temporary waiver and proactive constructive engagement for a temporary waiver. But we do not see the EU, the Commission, playing a constructive role at all. Uh, they have been, they have recently put in communications uh, in the Council that are meaningless, devoid of any solutions, um, with, with the aim, I think, mainly to derail and delay the process. So we really need uh, the EU to come in to support the TRIPS waiver discussions. The European Parliament is there finally, but the European Commission and the Council are still blocking the support for the TRIPS waiver. In the last two months, the European Parliament voted twice in favour of the TRIPS waiver. The MEPs are asking the Commission to support the lifting of patents. At the beginning of the pandemic, only Mark Botanga, a left MEP from the Workers' Party of Belgium, took the floor in plenary raising the alarm on intellectual property rights. For many months, other political groups were blocking this discussion. But thanks to the mobilization of people, we saw a real change in the European Parliament, and now the left is not alone in this battle. Mark, why in April 2020 you focused on intellectual property rights? Why is this important to you? I come myself from health activism, uh, so I've, I've worked uh, many years also in a, in a health-related NGO, and I was very much aware of what patents could do. Um, because I went to South Africa as well, uh, talked there to activists in the fight against AIDS, uh, HIV, 
Um, and, and I saw how that cost thousands of lives, uh, the fact of, of, of um, sticking to patents when, uh, you know, many people in South Africa couldn't afford in the 90s this treatment. Uh, so this was one thing. And on the other hand, and this was something else I, I learned at that time, that there were uh, different, a different way was possible. Like if you, if you looked at the polio vaccine that came onto the market without patents, you know, and that helped to eradicate this disease that was a, that's a disease that paralyzes mostly children, a lot of children. Um, and, and, and by not putting a patent on this, we, we succeeded in, in, uh, in saving so many lives from children. On the one hand, the criminal nature of this profiteering of health, and on the other hand, the fact that a different uh, way, a different option is possible. The TRIPS waiver has proven absolutely necessary and, and, and indispensable for working people for all around the world. So it is normal that when they exercise pressure, when they put pressure uh, on the institutions, that their demand is, is heard. Uh, and of course, then uh, we, as as a left group, we have uh, we have taken these demands that, that were living there, that the, the right to, to to health and to access to to medicines and vaccines, and brought it into Parliament to say, hey, Parliament should take a position. We need to be on the right side of history here. Um, and, and, and when when most groups refuse to do so, you know, to refuse to support this, this trips waiver or lifting patents, we've brought it out again and we, we, we denounced it and we said, hey, guys, look at what's going on inside institutions. We need to increase pressure outside. And so this interaction between pressure from outside and then relay the inside, you know, really shifted the balance. But the main thing is that it's just common sense. You know, why would... In, in, in a global pandemic, um, private profits be more important than, uh, you know, um, defeating the pandemic and saving as many lives as possible. You know, the European Commission and the European institutions generally have this vision in which um, they want to support uh, big business. Uh, meaning they, they have this vision in which uh, they put some rules, but then mainly they're a cash machine where big business comes and takes money out uh, without too many conditions, without too many uh, limits. Uh, now they've done the same thing with Big Pharma. What they've said is, uh, we're going to give you as much money as you want. You know, um, we're going to give you the intellectual property. We're going to take the risk. We're going to pay for any hidden defects. But in exchange, we hope to get some some vaccines, uh, and we will buy them so that other countries won't have it. Um, and now this was a self-defeating strategy all along because this meant that we were going to deny some countries access to the vaccine for one year, for 10 years, uh, whatsoever. Um, so the most shocking here was the fact that it couldn't break with its traditional neoliberal dogma of putting the state and the institutions at the service of big business, rather than at least in a pandemic, say, we're going to turn this around upside down and we're going to give priority to public health. And, you know, on this vaccine, there will be no profit. These pharmaceutical companies, they can make profit on other things. This battle, which is being waged by, indeed, the left in the European Parliament, by different parties also at national level, but also by a very broad coalition of trade unions, NGOs, and countries, indeed, worldwide, it can be won. But it will only be won by uh, popular mobilization. It will not be won, be won by a, a vote in the European Parliament. Uh, many people think, well, the European Parliament has voted, so it will happen. No, that's not the way things work. <laughs> Definitely not in Europe and even in, in some member states. So the, 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 what is really going to be decisive is going to be the amount of uh, people, the amount of uh, organizations mobilizing 
to make vaccine uh, equality reality? Um, will the European Citizens uh, Initiative uh, get to one million signatures? Will the People's Vaccine Campaign at a world level uh, make it to, um, you know, to, to put this pressure, succeed in putting this pressure on different governments that are still blocking the, the waiver? So this is going to be the, the matter. Are we going to be able to impose no profit on pandemic through popular mobilization or not? You mentioned the European Citizen Initiative. What is this? is a little bit like uh, a citizen's uh, law. Let's say a proposal for a law coming from European citizens. Um, now, this proposal wants to put pressure on the European Commission uh, by saying, okay, lift patents uh, on all vaccines and treatments related to COVID. Okay, Why is this so important? Because it's a legal initiative. It's a legislative initiative. That means that the European Commission needs to reply. So it's not just a petition, uh, it is a, a legal tool, let's say, where we say, okay, uh, we as citizens demand that the European Commission take action, right? Uh, for this, you need about a million signatures. Um, now, there's over 200,000 now. So if every one of the people that signed mobilizes, I think, about five uh, friends, then we, we might get there. Um, but it is extremely important because a citizen's initiative like No Profit on Pandemic, Right to Cure, allows uh, us to actually hold the Commission accountable. If you want to sign the European Citizens Law, the European Citizens Initiative, you go to noprofitonpandemic.eu, uh, you click on the language you like, and you sign the initiative. It's uh, really easy and you introduce a European Citizens Law. You heard Mark, don't wait any longer, get on the website and sign the European Citizen Initiative, No Profit on Pandemic, and join the fight for vaccine equality. If you want to know more about our campaign, you can go to our website, lab.eu, or you can follow us on our social media. Thank you for listening and see you back in September with more left takes on the EU. In the meantime, keep on fighting! fighting.